If you're good at something, never do it for free. Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? So let me take Hey everyone, welcome back to the Kevin and the Wu-Tang Clan. I have a very special guest, someone that you haven't heard from in a long, long time. I mean, people have been wondering, is he dead? Is he alive? Or has your friendship gone south because he's out of the title of the podcast now? No, me and Hedrin are still good friends. He's just been super busy with a new job. So congrats to him on that. But I'm really excited to have him on the podcast so we could talk about all the things that are going on in world football, specifically transfer season, transfer rumors, and all of that. But also, Women's World Cup, U.S. uh, women's have made it to the semifinals. They'll play Netherlands on Tuesday, so that'll be exciting. Um, Who else? Copa America is going on. We got the Gold Cup going on. So there's a lot of world football coming up or happening right now. So we're going to all talk about that. But Hedrun, welcome back onto the podcast. You're you're alive. I You're surviving on from the job and everything like that. Yeah, no, it's it's been a crazy couple of months. Uh, I got a new job, like you said. Um and I just I've just been adjusting to the new job yeah and then Hedrin had a trade uh crazy crazy travel uh time in hong kong yeah but maybe we'll talk about those stories yeah th- uh, that's later yeah that's or maybe off the podcast <laughs> so Hedrin, like what are your thoughts on like all this craziness that is going on in the transfer window it always happens it seems like every single year mm-hmm. um where the fees get higher and higher yep. and we were just kind of like, that team paid what for that player? Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I think you're kind of seeing the rise of all these, like, ridiculous figures, like, for these young talents, Stefan DeLict, like, all these guys that are getting paid a ton of, ton of money. Um, I didn't know where you wanted to start, but, I mean, we, we could talk about Chelsea. Eden Hazard has left Chelsea. Yep. Um, for Real Madrid, his dream, dream move that he's always talked about since he was like a young kid. Yep. So, what do you think is the effect on Chelsea because of him leaving? I think on the pitch, not so much. Interesting. Okay. Like in the locker room, probably a lot. Um. Yeah. I mean, he he seemed like in interviews he was like a really funny guy, kept it light. Yeah. And like. And he's like, a good leader yeah, for them. he's a he's a legend for Chelsea, mm-hmm. um, and to lose that kind of figure, like who's gonna be that figure from now on, right? Um, so it's gonna be interesting to see. I think Chelsea made the right like choice in sending him away and um, getting Pulisic. Uh, yeah, into I mean, the mix. yeah, Pulisic brought in for sixty million euros. Yeah. Uh, a lot of money for most ever for a U.S. born player, yep. and it's exciting for me as a U.S. men's national team fan to watch that and see the progress of the U.S. men's national team and them being able to 
get high transfer fee for someone like Pulisic, but he's going to have to prove it on the field. And I'm kind of worried about the pressure that's going to be put on him. A lot of Premier League, like on their first season uh, transferred in from like any other leagues, they they struggle a lot. Right. right? Like the pace of the game is different. The pressure is different. I, I would uh, say the physicality is different as yeah, well from yeah. the Premier League to the Bundesliga. So you, you see a lot of players like bulking up like the next off season. Yeah, I mean like Pulisic is like five eight, yeah, five nine, yeah, hundred forty pounds, maybe yeah. hundred fifty pounds. Like so he's gonna need to put on some muscle. Yeah. Uh, in order to like rub shoulders with all these uh like can you imagine him against <laughs> going against Virgil van Dijk? <laughs> like it's <laughs> kind of crazy. <laughs> as soon as yeah it's, it's I gonna just, be like as a Liverpool fan and a U.S. men's national team fan. Like, hey Virgil, like I know you're an amazing center back. Just take it easy on Pulisic. That's the only like, don't break him, please. But he won't have that language barrier. He already speaks English, right? So right. I think he's gonna adjust nicely. Um, just like the, he's just gonna have to get used to the pace mm-hmm. and be patient, really. Right, and I I'm kind of curious to see how he's utilized in a new system that might be implemented by Frank Lampard, who's mm-hmm. taking over. I think he signed a three-year deal with Chelsea and is going to be taking over for Maurizio Sarri, who leaves after one season, which is not unusual for Chelsea yeah. to kind of switch coaches and switch managers so quickly. But the success that Sarri ended up having this year wasn't... It's not like he was an utterly like utter total failure yep. um at Chelsea. He ended up winning a cup. He got to another final, I believe. He finished third in the Premier League. So, it's not like and, and they get to play Champions League football next year. Yep. So, it's not like he had a failure, but he ended up seeing an opportunity with Juventus to go back home to Italy and he ended up taking it. And I think it's probably a positive move for him because he doesn't feel the huge amount of pressure that Abramovich puts on his managers but there's going to definitely be some changes there and we haven't mentioned Chelsea's ban um, on transfers that they're not allowed to bring in players this this transfer season two seasons oh right two years two years so that's another huge huge development for their squad going forward and how they're going to have to utilize that vast, expansive network that they ha- they that they've built up basically, um, with all the money that they've had, with all the loanees that they've loaned out to various clubs throughout Europe that they're gonna have to utilize, um, for the next couple of years. Yeah, that's gonna be the biggest piece for Chelsea, um, not being able to get any players for two years. I mean, that hurt Barcelona a lot. A lot. Uh, yeah. So we might see the effects of that. Um, but I still think they will pull through. They got, like you said, they got a pretty good low knee pool. Right. Uh, I mean, you see all that Loftus-Cheek ended up uh, providing some yeah. type of minutes for them. Yeah. Um, we'll kind of see, like, which players they decide to kind to keep this offseason mm-hmm. on the squad and uh, utilize. I'm really curious to see, like, how... Um, Lampard utilizes this, like the different parts on this team. I think the biggest piece 
I think, is going to be Conte going back to holding midfielder. Instead of pushing up a little bit yeah. forward. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Sarri made a mistake on that one. Yeah. Um, I think it was because of his guy, Jorginho. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, like, Jorginho is not, a like, a world-class player. Right, right. Well, not to the same effect as, like, Conte. Right. So, I just didn't see... I just didn't agree with that kind of call. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how Frank Lampard really... Because... Um, because he's like ushered in this like not even Frank Lampard but maybe starting with Zidane who yeah. has ushered in these this idea of a star manager or a star player during his time on the field get being given opportunities to manage a big time club fairly early on in his managerial career and that's a double edged sword i think mm-hmm. uh for sure like We've seen Gary Monk, uh, you know, get sacked. Um, he had I, some success early on. Yeah, no, for but sure. He definitely wasn't able to sustain it. Right. I, I think Gerard Gerard made a good choice in going to Rangers and making a secondary step before he makes the big jump. Right. I would say. Right. Um, and I think he was getting offers from yeah. some mid-table mm-hmm. Premier League teams, mm-hmm. and he kind of. Um, basically was patient with his decision-making process and then i think he's holding out for a a bigger job maybe like a top six type of job in the premier league and like lampard doesn't have that decade of experience that yeah but klopp has or i mean yeah yeah he's coached at derby county who ended up having a decent season in the championship almost got promoted lost to aston villa who's kind of funny enough has an assistant coach that is a Chelsea legend as well, John Terry. So that's a fascinating like development there. You you're kind of seeing like this natural transition of a footballer's career ending or their playing career ending, and then now like very quickly after that, their managerial career starting up right after. And I th- yeah, like I said, it's gonna be a double-edged sword uh, for a lot of people. Um, a lot of hi- like high expectations from fans, obviously, right? They re- remember like their playing days. It's like, oh, he's gonna bring so much value to the club, and then turns out he might not be the manager that you know is good enough for a big club like that. Yeah, and I th- I think it's fascinating because there's this there's this thing about having star managers be becoming becoming these coaches. And I think it's hard for some of these managers to, I guess, convey some of their thoughts easily to um, their squad because for these star players and star managers, they became these star players because sometimes they just had this innate gift in them. And it's hard to explain things when it when the game came fairly easy to them yeah. or easier to them than other players. Yeah. So when you're explaining a concept to someone and when they can't get it right away, whereas that star player would get it right away, it ends up maybe frustrating the manager and maybe not them not getting the results that they were expecting. Well, so I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, Manchester United and how they've reacted to 
the transfer window and and the manager. Yeah, let's transition to that yeah. because like Solskjaer was one of these star players. Yeah, they're having. I mean, they signed Juan Bissaka to like forty six million euros um, today, as we record this on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, he was signed, but but overall, they've been having some trouble trying to figure out a direction slash where they want to go with their transfer offseason. And I think there there's a little bit of a lack of identity with this yep. Manchester United team in terms of like what they want to do. Um, and I don't know, gathering your thoughts from it as a fan, like, do you feel like they have a clear directive from up top from Ed Woodward? And like, do you think that relationship between Woodward and Solskjaer is a lot healthier than the previous regime between Woodward and Mourinho? And I, I kind of know your thoughts on it, like already, but just to kind of explain to our listeners. I think, yes, it is a lot healthier. Um, but I think Woodward also learned his lesson, right? That he shouldn't be, be he shouldn't be involved as much in the, you know, uh, acquisition of players side of things. Mm. He's a marketer, right? He's right. supposed to get sponsorships from companies to invest in the company, basically, right. into like business development. Right. He's a bu- businessman. Yeah. Not a not a footballer. So, I want to say they're going in, this, in the right direction in terms of wanting to completely rebuild. They've let go of some of the players. Ander Herrera's gone. Yeah, um, which is a shame, Yeah, I, I think, personally. Antonio Valencia, gone. Yeah, and... Who's a captain yeah. of the team. So, that's another loss. He was older, but there's definitely players like, why don't we play this game, like, in or out? Like, in terms mm. of, like... I'll name a player okay. on the squad, okay. and and you can give me your opinion on them. Okay. So let's see. Um, let's start with goalkeeper. All right, goalkeeper De Gea in or out? I want to say out. Interesting. Okay. Uh, I think we should get as much money from him, like selling him, uh huh, before the free like his free transfer. I see. And he has a contract up until next year, I believe, or two yeah. y- is it two years? Now? So no, it's it's one year. So he's he's gonna be a free agent next year. Mm-hmm. Sell him now. He's not. He, I don't think he's gonna sign. Mm. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of rumors that he wants to go back home to Spain, go back to Madrid, um, Real, and but I mean, or Atletico and play for them. I just don't know what like the natural who the natural replacement would be. I guess Oblak from Atletico could be mm. be the the replacement, but it they don't have that natural guy waiting in the wings right now to take over yeah, as a goalkeeper. There was a rumor that Silicon, the backup keeper from Barcelona, might right, be right. coming, but but to be determined. Yeah, so, okay. So, we'll we'll move on from De Gea. So, okay. let's go to the center backs. Phil Jones. Out. Okay, Phil Jones is out. Chris Smalling. In. Okay, and Lindelof. In. Okay. So, it, it seems like, and there's been, a, I think this is one of the other points I wanted to bring up with you in terms of Manchester United's, like, plan for their defense. is 
especially now that you have your outside backs, it seems like mm-hmm. with Luke Shaw, who's like pretty much cemented his spot yep. at the left back position, yep. and it seems like Juan Basaka is going to be challenging Delo and Ashley Young yep. for that right back position. I'm curious to see what they do at center back because there are a lot of rumors going around that they're interested in Koulibaly. Um, <sighs> and he, like, outrageous numbers, like numbers that are close to, like, Van, I think more than, more Van, than Van, Dyke, Dyke. Van Dyke's mm-hmm. number. So what are your thoughts on that in terms of, like, bringing in a center back or any thoughts on possible guys to bring in? I think center backs will be okay. Okay, so you're okay to roll with those uh, Smalling and Lindelof. Yeah, and, and Bai. Yeah. Um, obviously, Rojo needs to be... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't even mention him, but yeah. yes, okay. Uh, Darmian needs to be... He's going to be gone. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of interest in him in Italy, but yep. he's most likely gone. Um, But I, I think Lindelof... He he kind of grew up last year. Yeah. I think it was shaky two years ago, yeah. I believe, when he, we're like, is this guy a, even a squad player yeah. for yeah. for a team like Manchester United? But he really was able to cement himself in that center back role. And I think if they, I th- and I think Bailly is someone that has a ton of potential. It's yep. just they haven't been able to extract it yet. Slash, yep. maybe kind of calm him down a little bit <laughs> so he doesn't get like basically doesn't get red carded off the off the pitch like every game so they maybe need to control that side of that but i think they i'm not gonna say they're gonna be okay at center back but it would be nice to have a virgil van dyke like presence Mm, sure in the middle of that defense i mean there's it's not like they're a dime a dozen or anything right but you always kind of think of manchester united Rio Ferdinand, like having these like strong center backs, um, mm-hmm. being their leaders, Namont uh Vidic. Vidic. So like they had these like strong, strong center backs yep. that were their leaders and that they're they're kind of devoid of that right now. Yeah. Uh we'll just leave it at I'm not too worried about center backs. Okay, let's go to midfield then. Okay. Um I mean, Paul Pogba is out. Okay, out, out. out. So let let's kind of get into him for a little yeah. bit because I think out of all the other out of all the players on this team, Pogba has been the most mercurial yep. in that some fans just love him and some yep. fans hate him. Obviously, we know what Tyler, our our good buddy, uh, his opinion on Pogba is, but what. I mean, and we know your opinion in terms of trending on the negative side yep. of things, especially with him and his agent more so. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of rumors swirling. Like, there are rumors that Neymar for Pogba no. trade uh, or swap like that. What are your thoughts on – I mean, what are your thoughts on Pogba? I saw some ridiculous stat the other day that he led Manchester United and mm. every, like – quantifiable stat last year like goals assists um like tackles um passes chances create like he led them in 
every single metric sure. that could be measured. But so like, I what, mean, so what? I, I mean, let's say you do get rid of him for like a hundred million dollars yeah. or whatever you recoup a fee. Yeah. What are you going to be doing with that money to kind of replace that hole that he has uh, or that he's left? Well, okay. I think he's a cancer in the locker rooms, right? He's he brings that kind of I don't know, like the bad size of players, right? So um I feel like he's tainted people like Martial, um Rashford, Rashford Lingard mm. in such a way that I don't think they deserve to be on the squad anymore. Mm. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So I we'll get to those three later. Yeah, yeah. But okay, but but with Pogba, he's not the only one playing soccer in that team, mm. right? He can't be the team. So, even though he has most amount of assists, most amount of goals, whatever, I don't. He's, he's. I don't know. He's he's completely like checked out in some some games, and he stated in an event in Japan that he wanted to seek new challenges. And at that point it's like okay, well then we don't we don't need you. Right. And I kind of wanted to talk about that specific event because he was like, yeah, maybe it's time for me to go. And I was like, okay, maybe he actually is just asking for his way out. Yeah. But Manchester United's been strangely like no, we're not really getting rid of him at all. And maybe they're working behind the scenes, but on a public front, it seems like they're it, they're pretty adamant in terms of keeping mm. him. Um, so I'm curious to see like how that plays yeah. out yeah. Um, in the future. And we don't have the intel or the insider info on that, but we'll see. We'll kind of see how that plays out. Yeah. I kind of want to get to some of the other players that I find interesting. Mm -hmm. The trio that you named when bringing up. Pogba and his maybe poisonous ways. Yep. What do you think of Lingard, Martial, and um, Rashford? Lingard out. Interesting. Okay. I I love. I used to love the guy. Yeah. Uh, when he first like debuted for the team. Mm -hmm. Not anymore. Got it. Martial. Uh, Martial out. Wow. So you're you're just like cleaning house. Yeah. Completely rebuild at this point. Interesting. Okay. And then Rashford. I'd be I I'm surprised because they're young young talents yeah. that they'll get a good amount on the transfer market, but I don't know if they're replaceable. That's the thing. I like I get the idea of wanting to clean house, but how far are you guys will like how far are you willing to clean house to the point where you're not going to be able to field a top six quality team? So. I feel like with Martial, he has a burst of talent, but, but he's lazy. Yeah. Mm. Like he, he, everyone says he's lazy on defense. He, yeah. He's not, he's not Ronaldo. He's not Messi, mm. but he, he doesn't track back. Yeah. I mean, these young players should have something to prove, right? Just because they wear that Manchester United crest doesn't mean they, they can do whatever the, you know, whatever they want. Mm. And for him to not play defense and not track back, that's a liability. Mm -hmm. And you've seen Lingard, like, how he plays. Like, this past season, he was absolutely terrible. Mm. 
Um, so I, I I don't think he's cut out to be Man United like material. He's not up to the standard. I think with Rashford, like I want to say in, mm-hmm. but he's asking too much. He he wants to uh, get his wage up to like like half of Sanchez's level. Yeah, Sanchez is uh, out. Uh, yeah, I I mean. Especially with the out, yeah. Especially with the output that he ended up putting. Yeah. Juan Mata staying. He signed a new three-year yeah. deal yeah. and he took a considerable pay, c- like I think it was forty-five thousand euros yeah. per week pay cut. Yeah. Um, which is great. Yeah, for him to stay. So it, he wants to prove himself. Mm-hmm. I think another player, obviously, that's been tossed in a lot of transfer windows, and this will be the last in it, in or out, is um. Romelo Lukaku out. and okay that was a quick answer are you gonna bring in uh what's his name Giroud Giroud <laughs> Olivier Giroud but like yeah Lukaku I think Inter Milan offered 62 and a half yeah. million euros for him um man you rejected that I think they're holding out for something like 85 million uh for Lukaku I think at this point just cut your losses wow so i so it seems like gathering from your whole philosophy on this transfer window and moving forward for manchester united you're just like clean the decks yep and just start clean over slate yeah yep. clean slate my only worry about that is the fan support and how they're gonna take it the fan base and Manchester United's never really been in like they've had their downs in previous years, but they haven't had I I, I wouldn't say they've had like these considerable, considerable like shocking or like shocking results where they've like been clearly mid table. So I want to say they're going through the exact same thing that Liverpool was going through. Okay. About, what is it, like 10 years ago now? Not, uh, I would say like it was like seven, eight. Set, like not even like five maybe. Okay. Yeah. It feels so long ago. Yeah. Um, So hopefully we can get on that track again like you guys did. Um, I'm, I'm hoping for that because, I mean, Manchester United is a, is a better team. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully we can get there sooner, a lot quicker. Right. Um. And but we're gonna need I don't know maybe a better manager. Yeah, and I think that's the point that I wanted to bring up, and the discernible factor I think between the Man U Liverpool comparison is Jurgen Klopp has been such a dynamic manager for Liverpool, and he's given Liverpool this clear, I guess clear vision vision in terms of the way they should play football yeah like everyone knows that liverpool is going to high press play really high up the field um and if they're in like a tougher game they're going to counterattack with those three guys up front with salah mane firmino and and he's been able to create this culture at liverpool where they've embraced that and i don't know what manchester united style is because Back in the Sir Alex Ferguson days, and not to relive glory days for Manchester United, but they had a discernible style in terms of how they played. We kind of knew that they were going to play fun, attacking football um, that was 
pretty similar to what Liverpool is doing right yeah. now and this and and like really embrace the counterattack mm-hmm. and know how to counterattack extremely well after defending the goal. Yep. Um so I I'm curious to see like how this offseason goes but just to hit the points again, can you just quickly summarize like how Manchester United under Hedjun Chung's reign what is gonna is gonna advance and hopefully take the Premier League for Manchester United fans and not for fans like me that are Liverpool fans. <laughs> I mean clean house, right? Uh start with a fresh new squad. Okay. Not entirely fresh, but um and just fill it with players who are willing to prove themselves, mm-hmm. right? And Sir Alex Ferguson was never really about buying like S-class players. He was about who's going to fit the role the best, even if they're not as good. Um, and he did such a good job of utilizing those players. Right, right. And, like, that's partly... Coaching. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe maybe they just need someone like that again. Not to, again, relive the glory days. Um... But yeah, I'm I'm excited for the new new young talent coming in. Um, I'm curious to see what Oscar will do in terms of calling up players too. Mm-hmm. Um, just because he was their youth coach. Yeah, and um, he was starting to do that, like you saw in like their big Champions yep, League win yep. against PSG, that they brought in some of these young yep. kids to play for them, and they were able to succeed and move forward. But so. I don't think he should call them up until Pogba leaves. Okay. So he's he doesn't infect them. Right, exactly. Okay. So that's an interesting thing. All right. So I I mean, I guess moving on from the man you talk, because that's too much man you talk for sure. my liking. Okay. Um, I guess like to hop around to other places. Liverpool's been fairly quiet and I think they will be fairly quiet yep. in the transfer window. They signed um this really young seventeen year old center back. Um, the next Van Dyke. Yeah, and it wasn't the guy that I wanted. I wanted them to pr- uh, pair him with uh, Delict. Um, uh, I don't think he's just as bad as Pogba. Uh, but yeah, because of the um, what's it called, the agent. Yeah, Raiola. Um, but they they signed a really young center back, seventeen years old for 2 million uh, euros. So it wasn't like anything huge, but I think they're going to kind of keep it to a minimum. They really like the squad that they have right now. They won the Champions League, so it's not they know they have the quality to win the league. I think it's more about signing these depth pieces and hopefully getting these players um, healthy. Like Alex um what's it called? Alex Oxley Chamberlain really key player for them in the center of the midfield slash um, as a winger. And he could definitely be utilized as a squad player. Another guy that I really want to see more out of is Joe Gomez and see Mm. whether or not he can fill out that role next to Van Dyke because he was filling it before he got injured um, in the middle of the season. So it's not going to cut it. Right. So that's, the two areas that I'd be worried about, but it seems like they're going to be doing a lot of depth signings. Um, so that's all I really wanted to say about Liverpool. Um, I guess to move on to Man City, champions mm. of the league, they're still trying to push for a lot of like 
talent. Like that team is so talented, and yep. the amount of depth they have. Um, it was reported that David Silva is actually going to be leaving at the end of this year. Interesting. Um, so he signed a one-year deal, and he says, I'm going to be done after this year. So that's definitely a bookend to a really solid career in the Premier yeah. League um, for a Manchester City legend like him. Um, other than that, I'm not exactly sure what they really need to improve on. They just need to improve on their results in the Champions well, League. Well, they lost Vincent Company. Right. He went to and- Anderlecht. Yeah. So I think um, Harry Center- Maguire has been mm. linked for $60 million? And Manchester United's been on him as well. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know if that'll happen. It's but definitely not going to happen. For Man U. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Man City's been, I, I think they've been, t- uh, linked with Rodri, who's like their mm-hmm. center defensive midfielder from Atletico, who is kind of going to be this replacement for Fernandinho. He's getting up there in age. He's 34, 35 years yeah. old. So they need a natural replacement for him. Um, I think left back has been somewhat of a concern for them. Um, but because Mendy can't stay healthy, Mendy can't stay healthy. Zinchenko is the guy that's kind of filling that role. Um, whether or not they really trust Fabian Delph mm. in that situation long term doesn't seem like a viable plan. So I'm sure they're looking there. I think, um, they're looking at the Juventus uh, left back Jao Cancelo. Cancelo, yeah. So, um, I think that's a possible possibility for manchester city but i mean it seems like they're so flush with money that they can kind of spend however they want yeah and they don't even need any more depth does honestly. financial fair play exist for them <laughs> <laughs> i thought they were gonna get hit yeah yeah i don't know but so it's it's kind of interesting that they um they really don't need anything at all but they're continuing to add and add and yeah. add to their depth um, but yeah, I think center back and center defensive midfield is pro. Those are those two are probably the two areas that I would look towards. But other than that, they're so they have so many depth pieces for them that they don't really need anything else. Yeah, and as yeah, as long as people can stay healthy, I think they're gonna win another year. I hope not. Like I think Liverpool's goal should be to try to challenge for the Premier League this year. They right. got in the Champions League. Biggest trophy in football. So all they need is that Premier League, which they haven't won in this modern Premier League era. So they really need that. Um, Yeah, other than that, I don't know what Man City is going to do. Tottenham, I guess we could kind of talk about them a little bit. I mean, they've had that huge stadium around their neck. So I don't know how active they're going to be in terms of their transfer window season like do you do you think they need anything that's i don't know do you do you think they really need anything any more depth yeah i they did sign tangay and dumbele i that was uh i don't that know was, that was that was terrible but a lot of people are really excited about yeah. him he's the leon midfielder who's been 
really highly regarded. Yep. Um, I think they signed him for some crazy amount of money that you wouldn't expect a team like Tottenham to sign him for, but he signed for, I believe, 65 million euros. So that might actually ruin the team chemistry. Interesting. Because of how much he was brought in. Yeah. Hmm. I, I, I want to see how much he would he, he's going to get paid, right? Because that's been like Tottenham's, I guess. Right. I think this is a, one of the interesting things about team chemistry, and it kind of goes along with your point in that Tottenham has set up this pay structure in terms of people. Mm-hmm in terms of the players knowing that the better players are getting paid more than where they're at. So like yep. Harry Kane is getting paid the most at the club and then on down from there pretty much. Yep. Like it ha- there's there's this order at the club where some some guy isn't getting paid for their lack of output right. on the team. Right. So that's kind of there's a structure involved. There isn't any discord like, oh, man, that guy's getting paid $75,000 a week and like he doesn't deserve it. Right. But there's a structure. involved. Right. So I wonder how much he does get paid. Yeah. And probably Erickson will leave. Yeah. There's a lot of talk that he might go to. Yeah. Real, real, I mean, real, he definitely real. deserves to get paid more. Right. <laughs> Whether Tottenham gives that to him, I don't know. Yeah. And it's it's like they do need probably a backup striker. Yeah. They need like these depth pieces to be able to, I would say, compete consistently yep. at that level. Um, they made the Champions League final, like that was encouraging for them. So there's a lot of encouraging signs, but if they're not able to continue the success and continue it going, and I'm curious to see, like, Pochettino, like, he's had these big managerial opportunities now, and he ended up, you know, saying before the Champions League, hey, I'm basically done if I am if I win this because yeah. there's no higher heights to get climb yep. uh, with this Tottenham team, so... Maybe that's like the silver lining in them losing the Champions League, but he's one of those young head head coaches, uh, managers that I would say Tottenham is extremely lucky to have. Yeah, he's he's already been there for a long time. It's crazy how long he's been. Yeah. but I can't. I mean, they had Andre Vipis Boas, right? AVB. Yeah, they had him before that. Like they had some. Tim Sherwood, like they had some like really interesting guys, yeah, um, managing that team before Pochettino ended up coming in and really solidifying that role for them. Um, other than that, like who else? Arsenal. A lot of people were ripping them on Aaron, letting Aaron Ramsey go yep. on a free transfer to Juventus. Yep. Um, who I think is going to be a really valuable piece for Juventus. Like, I agree. Really valuable squad player Such on a, a free on a free transfer. And Juvent, I like saw this like post on Instagram in terms of who Juventus has brought in on a free transfer the like mm. past five years. Like they brought in Danny Alves. Like they've brought in these really valuable players on free transfers that have really contributed to their team. Yeah. Like Emery Chan, free transfer. Yep. Like they've brought, they've I don't know been able to scour this 
uh, vast market for really high quality players that are getting brought in on free transfers. And it looks like Delict is going to be their big money yep. signing this offseason. And he's going to really solidify that defense. And I don't know if it really needed any solidifying yeah. because they're known for their center backs, but he's he's there, signed a five-year deal. It's exciting for them, I guess. Yeah. Uh, not much to say, really, yeah. Uh, yeah. Although, going back to Arsenal, yeah, Aubameyang might be... He's been linked to Man, Man U. There's a lot of rumors about that. So I'm excited for that. Mm-hmm. If he actually does sign as a replacement to Lukaku, that's going to be really exciting. I think he's going to bring a lot of speed to the game, too, um, that we were kind of lacking. So hopefully that happens. And then Mesut Ozil, who seems like he's on the outs with Unai Emery. Um, It looks like Emery's trying to sell him, but Ozil's pretty... I don't know, headstrong in terms of trying to stay at the club. So I have no idea what's going to happen there. Well, where um, where is he going to go? Yeah, I have no idea, especially with the wages as high as yeah. he he has for the output that he had last season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see where he goes. I don't know what's going to happen with him at all, but that's another interesting uh, story to kind of follow. I don't know. We kind of sure. yeah, we kind of covered like all the top six like I think so. like yeah. their needs and what they should be looking for. Um, I guess kind of zooming out on the Premier League itself, but kind of looking at other leagues and what other teams are doing. I mean, Real Madrid is unbelievable in terms of their aggressiveness in the transfer transfer market yep. and the guys that they've signed. I think the the total amount of transfers that they've signed is 300 million euros already yeah it's pretty insane like how much they've been able to kind of extract um from these various leagues um like they signed hazard frankie Mm. de jong um goes to barcelona so there's like this arms race between these two teams like always that they're trying to like top the top the other um who uh, uh Militao for Real Madrid as their center back uh Ferland Mendy from Leon to Real Madrid as their left back uh Rodrigo um it it, it just doesn't stop for them yep. and I don't know like where like how they can kind of do this and Japanese Messi oh yeah <laughs> oh my god that guy Takafusa Kuba is on Real Madrid. Probably won't get much playing time um, at all. He was a Barcelona youth. Yep, Barcelona youth guy. Um, So he's another one of their uh, players. Alvaro Morata on loan, obviously, um, with Atletico. And I think they're going to try to keep him as well. And, I mean, Atletico ended up selling Lucas Hernandez. They lost Rodri. They're... They're this team that ends up trying, like, replacing these players eventually. Yeah. But I wonder, like, when too much is too much. A lot of rumors that Antoine Griezmann's, like, finding different places to play. I don't know where he's going to end up, but it seems like he's on the outs as well. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) he's such a dramatic player. He's a 
He's a diva. He's a drama queen. I mean, he's a diva that you want to, to because he scores goals. Yeah. But I, I mean, I wouldn't mind him at Man U, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, basically, Hedjun saying, hey, you know, uh, Antoine Griezmann, when you listen to this podcast, you know, know that Manchester United wants you. I mean, we do. Yeah, he's going to be, he would be a nice player for you guys. And there's a ton of rumors going on that Neymar, and I don't mm. even know what to believe now because it's so hard to keep track of these transfers in, like ter- in terms of, like, if it's a confirmed deal. Like, the only time I really believe it's actually happening is when the guy's at the press conference holding, <laughs> holding up his, his jersey <laughs> and saying, I'm, I passed my physical, yep. I'm here to stay. Yep. So there, there are a lot of rumors going on that Neymar is actually looking for a move away from PSG. There are rumors that he agreed to a personal deal with Barcelona, but Barcelona and PSG can't figure out the, um, I guess, transfer fee yep. for him there are a lot of rumors that um barcelona offered dembele rakitic and um umtiti uh for neymar and then like plus like a hundred million dollars or Jeez. something like that so they've offered those three guys supposedly um i think psg is trying to get coutinho in the deal <laughs> as well, uh, instead of someone like um, Umtiti. Um, so I'm very curious to see how that develops, but they seem pretty adamant about getting Neymar back home to Barcelona. And I don't know how you'd feel about that in terms of giving up all those players for one asset, especially someone like Neymar, who's been kind of, I would say, like... His performance at PSG hasn't been super, super special. He's been a good player for them, obviously, but yeah. hasn't been, like, all world class. I think he's kind of checked out like Pogba. Mm. And he's yeah. ready for a move. Yeah. I, I think he left Barcelona because he didn't want to play second fiddle to Messi. And now he just doesn't care. Well, or do you think he feels like Messi's getting older and yeah, now I think he can ascend into the throne, basically, of yeah, Barcelona? I think that's been like, that's probably the talk, part of the pep talk that Barcelona gave him, right? Um, and he probably felt like he was being threatened uh, by Mbappe mm-hmm. at PSG. So, I don't know. I don't like the dude either. I think he's in the same tier as Pogba. So, <laughs> yeah, we'll see what ends up happening. And I think I think the big thing about Neymar it has been like the transfer fee plus like what it's going to take for him to kind of go there. And I don't know what that's going to be, but I'm probably going to say it's such a huge fee to pay for one singular guy going the other way. And I don't know how you could pay that much money for someone, but. I mean, Barcelona really knows how to utilize him, especially with along with him, Messi, and Suarez. Yep. That front three is so dynamic that it really can't be stopped, especially if they have all the guys um, surrounding him. And especially like if they feel like De Jong is going to kind of replace Rakitic it, anyways, it doesn't really matter for them. Mm. Um, if It would feel like they're only giving up one player and... 
hundred million dollars. Just you know, just chump change. You know, nothing, <laughs> no big deal at all. I mean, I don't know. Rocketeer's Rocketich is also getting old. Yeah, he is getting older. Um, TT, I heard his knee isn't that good. And he's fair. He didn't get much playing time no. last year at all. No. Um, he was kind of replaced by uh Langley. Yeah. So that is a problem for them. So, or a problem for Umtiti. So it doesn't seem like he'll be giving up. Barcelona would be giving that much up. And I'm doing the air quotes right now if, because you guys can't see me. But he, it doesn't seem like they're giving up that much for Neymar in the aggregate. Yeah, and I, maybe he feels like he had the best time in Barcelona, and he just didn't know it. Right. So, I mean, it's clear that he wasn't happy at PS- PSG. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think that move will be positive for him. I think PSG just kind of bitter mm-hmm. that, like, Neymar is doing this. Right. So just giving him a hard time. I think it'll happen, though. Yeah. yeah. It, I think it'll eventually happen. Like... Bayern Munich, another big team, losing Ribery. Mm. Robin's gone as well, too. Mm. Um, Kind of ushering in this new era of young attacking players. Serge Gnabry, he ended up having, I think he was named, like, best Bayern Munich player. So that's kind of a crazy ascendance, especially from his Arsenal days. Like, someone like that kind of doing really well on a team, especially when... He's a fairly young, I think he's only like 24 or 25, yeah. but Bayern Munich was patient with him, gave him chances, and he was able to kind of deliver for them. So that's kind of a cool, encouraging story to see showing the path of a footballer and how it's not this linear progress, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of hills and valleys like there is in life. Right. And it's kind of cool to be able to see something like that. But I'm curious to see how they like replace some of these guys. Um, they they signed Lucas Hernandez from um, from uh, Atletico Madrid. They also signed Benjamin uh, Pavard from relegated Stuttgart, I believe. So, or I believe it's Stuttgart. But they they kind of have their outside backs all set up for success. So I'm curious to see like what they do in the attacking third. Lewandowski's kind of not that he's been in or out, but there's a lot of rumors surrounding whether whether or not he's going to be leaving mm. um, too. So I I wonder what happens. And almost leaving. Yep, going, going back, back to to uh, Borussia Dortmund, which is interesting because he left such a bad taste in Dortmund. the Dortmund fans. Plus, he's three years older now, yep. and I think they paid pretty much the same price that they sold him for so i don't know how great that is to get a a guy that was three years older and basically paying the same price i mean i think that's what's interesting about bundesliga because they sell players to other teams and they get them back it's not i don't think it's uncommon um and i feel like they like welcome that kind of competition Mm -hmm. right like oh uh i'm gonna sell you this player but Maybe we'll just buy him back in a few years. Right. Um, they have no problems with that. It's mm-hmm. kind of weird. Yeah, it's it's an interesting interesting problem yeah. to have. Um, are there any other transfers that you could kind of think of, like that are mildly intri- intriguing, or like teams that are mildly intriguing? 
The only thing I wanted to say is, and this is more of a philosophical thing that I kind of wanted to bring up with you, is look at these teams like Ajax who are selling these players and just making a huge ass profit off of these guys um, because they were able to develop them, spend time with them over a couple years, and have their value shoot up. Like David Neres, who's one of their wingers, is supposed to be possibly going for 40 million, 50 million euro. Frankie de Jong went for 75. Delict went for whatever he's going to go for, like 75, 80 mil. Um, there's Zayech, who's going to go for 30 million. Like, They've been able to develop these players and get get huge sums of money uh, for them. And a lot of teams are, I would say, a lot of mid-table teams in bigger leagues are trying to replicate that. Like Southampton has kind of been this pipeline for Liverpool. Yeah. Um, they signed Mane to, uh, Mane to deal, Adam Lallana, who is there. I mean, they've signed pretty much a, like a decent amount of their players uh from southampton um so like those clubs have value regardless of if they you know win the league or make it far in the champions league those those clubs have value in terms of developing these young players and then selling them off to the bigger clubs i mean borussia dortmund's kind of done this Jaden sancho got bought for like six million yeah and no, now he's, he's well north of a uh, of a hundred million euros now, um, which is insane to me. Over the course of a year, he kind of took Pulisic's spot uh, this past season. So you see these teams having um, great player development staffs, and there that's like I would say the great equalizer for all these smaller teams in terms of wanting to challenge for league titles and things like that. Being able to develop their talent. Um, to kind of hang with the big boys. And Ajax wasn't like that. You know, they were some like one of the biggest powerhouses in Europe. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, 20 uh, years yeah. ago. Right. Um, I think they're on the right track to becoming like, not a, like a satellite selling club, right. but like an actual like club club. Yeah. Yeah. And return to their glory days with the, like Cruyff and all yeah. those types. Of I mean, th that money—they're not like investing in a new stadium. They're not. They're investing in like new players. Yeah, and their uh, development staff, right? And all that. And you know, Dortmund's doing the same. Um, Tottenham used to be kind of like that. Yeah, um, and I would say they've like semi-graduated from that yeah. because of the success they've had with all these players. Yep. So yeah, I think they're on the right track. If you are that small ball club, I think that's the smart move. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. So. All right. So let's transition to some of the other talk. Um, all the turn summer tournaments that are going on. Women's World Cup. Mm -hmm. I honestly haven't been paying that much attention um, to the Women's World Cup other than the U.S. Women's National Team performance. They ended up having a huge 2-1 win against France in the quarterfinals to move on to the semifinals, I believe, against the Netherlands. Um, and they will be playing the winner. Or, I mean, I guess they'll if they win the semifinals, they'll be playing Germany or Sweden in the finals of the Women's World Cup. So that'll be really interesting to see. My quick thoughts after watching uh, 
I, I would say I watched all of the U.S. women's national team games. And my huge thing about them is they look extremely comfortable with where they at. Megan Rapino, mm-hmm. I mean, fuck going to the White House, apparently, for uh, Megan Rapino, But that was, I mean, dealing with that type of controversy and then being able to perform on the stage that she's been, I, I don't know, I'm sure you saw on Twitter her, her image trending um, as she ended up scoring and having that like FIFA-like celebration yeah. with her arms spread out. So that's been really exciting. She's been really instrumental for them in terms of how they played. Um, they've won 10 straight games in the Women's World Cup, which I think ties the longest streak ever in the Women's World Cup. Um, and I, I would say like I'm fairly confident that they're going to win the tournament. My only concern for them is their defense in terms of the struggle between them kind of being weak on the left side of their defense with Crystal Dunn, who's supposedly, and I, I don't know this firsthand, but she is supposedly this winger and she's being converted to left back. Mm-hmm. And that's always tough. But like these days, it's not unheard of it's not uncommon right Um, it isn't uncommon but that's definitely i would say like if that's their only weakness that would probably be it Mm -hmm. um but other than that like the u.s women's national team (laughs) is kind of showing what to do in this competition and they've won in impressive ways like the thailand win and thir- yep. that 13-0 win but then they've also kind of grinded it out as well and be able to win that way and that's also impressive like that spain game they didn't look their best at all um in the round of 16 game and they were able to pull it out uh that 2-1 win it, it was tied 1-1 for a long time i think for them uh going forward it's gonna be like okay who's gonna replace players like Rapino, who's going to pl- replace players like Alex Morgan. Yeah. Um, and they do have these young players that are on the squad. Right. Um, and they just aren't household names. But these were like the golden, before the golden generation with yeah. like Mia Hamm and Christine <laughs> Lilly wow. and and um, Brandy Chastain and all these people that, uh, Michelle Akers, like all these players that were U.S. women's national team icons. Mm-hmm. People were always wondering who's the next person up, and then we kind of came up with like Abby Wambach and like mm-hmm. Hope Solo and all these p- players that were becoming hugely, hugely impressive to them, and that is so encouraging to see in the development of this women's national team that i'm jealous of because the men's national team doesn't have it yeah why don't why don't they get that kind of talent yeah i don't know i'm not exactly sure and maybe that's because of the the culture of the way women's sports is looked at Mm -hmm. in the u.s in comparison to other countries that's true in terms of there being a higher importance but there must be also something else involved as well and it has to be somewhat of that youth thing that we talked about way earlier in the podcast, how the youth system systems are set up, mm-hmm. how the league in general is set up and the draft and everything. It's 
I think it's stupid, but yeah, it's it's an interesting concept. Yeah. But anyways, we'll we'll talk. I mean, we're obviously rooting for them. I'll be tuning in on Tuesday yep. to hopefully see a US win and hopefully catch a f- another finals. Um and yeah, I'll be cheering my ass off for them. Um yeah, they make me proud being able, able to see them perform on a world stage like this and hopefully the gr- hopefully they can bring it home. I mean, I don't doubt it. Yeah. You know, they're they're the team to beat. No, they at are. At this point. Yeah, 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 I think they are. Uh they've kind of proven themselves throughout the tournament. Mm-hmm. So, transitioning to our US men's national team. Yep. Um yeah. It was looking before the CONCACAF Gold Cup, it was looking like bad for mm-hmm. Greg Berhalter. Mm-hmm. And w- we were privately questioning like what is going on with this team? They lost to Jamaica 1-0 yep. uh, leading up to the tournament. Then they lose to Venezuela 3-0, giving up three goals in the span of 25 minutes. Um, and we're kind of like, is Greg Berhalter ready for this job? Is he is he prepared? Is he is his formation too complicated for US for this US men's national team to grasp? And there are a lot of concerns going into this tournament. They didn't have Tyler Adams, who was injured. Um, and it, it was like the first big tournament for, and competitive tournament yep. for this U.S. men's national team setup, especially under Greg Berhalter. But they've been able to perform under uh, this Gold Cup. They've won, they won all their group games. And... You know, we had a Josie Altidore sighting in the last game where he ended up scoring um, against Panama, largely with a second-team squad to rest uh, players for the quarterfinal against. And this is kind of a fun story. Curacao, who's who's made it for the first time ever in the Gold Cup of their history, Um, to be able to see that, see a small nation like that, be able to perform is Mm -hmm. really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, But... I'm really excited to see what the men can do. Um, and hopefully they can get to the final against like a Mexico team uh, that'll probably be waiting for them in the finals. Yeah. Uh, small sample size. Probably weaker teams than U.S. But yeah, it, like playing against Mexico, playing against Colombia, like teams like that will be the real test. Yeah. But. Yeah, I'm. I'm not gonna say much. I'm gonna. Yeah, I mean, I I think in the grand scheme of things, this tournament doesn't really matter too much. Yeah. Um, it just is. I think somewhat encouraging that they're able to kind of do really, really well. Um, against a, I mean, just be able to dominate teams even in their region. So that's something that I really hope that they're able to do. Um, so I'm curious to see what happens, um, in the later portions of the tournament, whether or not Pulisic and McKinney could kind of look, uh, decently well. And I don't know. I'm, I'm really happy that they've been able to turn it around for the tournament. Oh, for sure. Ours is Pulisic, Pulisic, um, is he qualified to play for Olympics? Um, I don't. Or does he have to be a no, no, card? He, no. He he is young enough, but I just don't know if he'll play. Got it. 
Um, I don't know if there's an incentive for him to play in a U23 World Cup uh, or like a U23 Olympics Olympics tournament. Um, So I'm not exactly sure if he'll play. I'm very curious to see like how competitive of a team they'll field because they have guys like Josh Sargent um, that are young guys. And he didn't even play in the U20 World Cup. Josh Sargent. Timothy Weah, like all these young kids that have the opportunity to play in that U23, even McKinney and Adams can play Mm -hmm. in it as well. But I wonder if they're going to utilize their full strength of a squad. And someone like Pulisic maybe might be too big for the tournament itself, Mm -hmm. but maybe he wants to play and maybe he mandates that he plays for next year in the Tokyo games. Yeah, and I think it could be a good testing ground for like the future generation of US team obviously right um but yeah there's a lot of young talent so why not why not play them get them to play a little bit more together right and hopefully they qualify yeah. because they've had struggles <laughs> qualifying for this world cup um and that's kind of been why the talent and the talent pool has been so dry yeah. in the past five to ten years uh, for the U.S. men's yeah. national team. All right, so I don't want to drone on and on about the sadness of the U.S. men's national team. One thing I did, so w- I want to talk about this really quickly and then move on to the last topic of the of the night before we close out the tournament or the, the podcast. The, the <laughs> Copa America is probably one of the most exciting tournaments mm-hmm. to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the big storyline heading into it was whether or not Messi can actually get yeah. something, get a win for them, and they looked really, really yeah, bad. They, <laughs> they ended up losing their first, or tying and then losing a f- yeah. their first two games. And then they had to play Cotter to kind of see if they can make it um, and advance to the knockout stages. They beat Cotter 2-0. And they've set up this really, really intriguing matchup between Brazil um, in the semifinals. Mm-hmm. Um, who do you have? Like, because Brazil's n- without Neymar, Neymar, but they have the home field crowd with the tournament being played in Brazil, and all the play. They still have an unbelievable squad behind them. So I'll definitely be tuning into that game. Um, so. Who do you have? I mean that. Brazil. I think th- yeah, Brazil. Yeah, Interesting. It's an easy, easy pick. I think. Okay. Um, I don't know why, but Argentina becomes mediocre, uh, even with their star players. I don't think their defense is that good enough for Brazil. Mm-hmm. And Brazil sw- squeaked by against yeah. Paraguay, or Paraguay in the quarterfinals, four yep. three, in uh, penalties. So that was a really close game. Yeah. Um, I'm really curious to see, like, I'm going to be tuning in because I think Messi is going to kind of turn it on and mm. and really show his true colors. But Argentina's really struggled in this tournament and hasn't looked their best at all. Not since t- 2014. Yeah, hasn't looked great at all. And then in the other semifinal matchup, um, Uruguay ended up losing to Peru. Zero, it was 0-0. Zero, zero, mm-hmm. And then they lost 5-4 in penalties to Peru. Um, and then Chile beat Colombia 5-4 penalties. So. so I live in a basically a community, Colombian majority community. Yeah. 
all Colombians. Yeah. Yeah. We, so, we see them like with their jerseys yep. and like everyone's like Rodamel Falcao jerseys yep. um, walking around in Inglewood, uh, New Jersey. So what, what are you going to say? I mean, it, it was like devastating. Yeah. Devastating. <laughs> because you could see like people just so excited. It, it felt like like Korea in 2002. Yeah. And then the town just got quiet. Yeah, so Dan, my friend Dan Maldonado, who is half Colombian, uh, half Peruvian, mm. you have one reason to cheer tonight again, uh, because they beat Uruguay, Peru. Yep. So you, you, you know, you at least have that half of the family. I'm sure your dad's sad because he's Colombian, his mom is Peruvian, so his mom's probably rubbing it in his dad's face. But I mean, it it was an exciting game nonetheless. Uh, so shout outs to my boy. Zayed, who is Chilean, so mm. he, I, I don't know if they set up a bet or anything, but that was something really <laughs> that he was happy about. So moving on, I think that was like the the last topic of the day that we, me and you haven't been able to talk about, but we were extremely excited at the time, and we're kind of going back a little bit, was the U-20 World Cup. And I think this mm. is something we had to kind of end end on yeah and um i wanted to get your analysis on this u20 korea team who ended up valiantly kind of navigating their way through the tournament i know as korean american we were extremely excited i wanted to see uh, a usa versus korea matchup um i think it would have been in the semifinals um or quarterfinals or semifinals if the U.S. had won right. against Senegal, I believe. Yeah. Um, but U.S. wasn't able to pull it out. Um, but Korea kind of made their way to the finals and ended up losing a heartbreaker uh, to Ukraine, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, yep. you know, listing off those two names or two teams, Ukraine and Korea, you don't think traditional yeah soccer powerhouses and two years ago this tournament was won by a u20 england team that had a lot of not not star players today in the english premier league but they're probably all squad players on these english premier league teams that you would kind of recognize and be like oh that guy was on the team oh man that that So that gave us great hope when watching the U-20 finals between Ukraine and Korea. And Korea, unfortunately, went up early 1-0. And I say unfortunate because I think they kind of left their... They they got complacent during the game once they went up 1-0. I think they were just tired. Interesting. They, I mean, they ran back-to-back extra extra time right. games um and yeah they played more minutes than yep. uh this U- the Ukraine squad yep and i i think yeah i can't imagine like because the schedule was so tight mhm um but the other thing i wanted to mention was i don't know if if like we can sure like they're great talent, talent pool but uh, looking at like some European teams or even like African teams, it's more of like 
people who didn't make it to like U21 Euros or like mm. uh, those kind of players end up playing in the U20 World Cup. So it's not, I don't want to like downplay their success, but it's definitely not like a major tournament uh, that it was once before. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I was, I was trying to catch games when I could. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm hoping that this tournament opens up a lot of doors for all these players to move elsewhere. Go to Europe, yeah. challenge themselves, sure. really grow. There um, had to be a lot of scouts there too. Yeah. So I think like some of them are being linked to, you know, bigger clubs in Europe. Yeah. Uh, and I think my hope is that they're able to be courageous enough and brave enough to kind of make the move be uncomfortable yep. and i think you look at korean soccer and u.s soccer and you kind of compare the two side by side and they're fairly similar soccer countries yep. maybe size wise they're not at all and people like the u.s is kind of like they have this american except exceptionalism in mm-hmm. terms of like why aren't we the best at this sport we're the best in everything else but if you look at the way the federations have come together the way their um domestic league started around the same time in the 90s i believe um like you see the parallels between how korea and u.s have grown similarly Um, And it's kind of cool to be able to witness that progress. And I got really excited to like see like someone like Lee Kang-in, who was Korea's star player, um, won the Golden Boot Award, I believe, um, in the U-20 tournament. And him hopefully being able to carve out a more prominent role um, at Valencia, which is one of the top six, I would say, clubs in in, um La Liga, so I hope he's able to carve out a role. And I hope like some of these guys that you mentioned are able to figure it out and find bigger roles in Europe. Like and that's the hope. Yeah. Right? And, and I hope to see some of these players playing in the Olympics. Right. Um and yeah. hopefully they're able to get that military <laughs> exemption, you know. Yeah. There there has been petitions going around right. for them to be exempted, but I don't know, making an exception for a U twenty tournament yeah. is yeah. And I, I this that was like the one big question I had. Like we can't lose this generation of players to yeah. uh the military, but that and that was like my big concern slash question, like, do you think they'll get exempted from the military? Mm-hmm. And you're like, probably not. Yeah. So that was kind of sad to hear about that. But are there any other players on this Korean team? that you can think of that have a shot at making it in Europe besides, like, um, the big star player in Lee Kang-in? Uh, I think the striker. Uh, his name is Oh Sehun. Okay. Like, big-ass dude. Yeah, Six he's foot four, tall. Right? Yeah. But he's he's pretty determined. He's he's quick. He's got the technique. I think he's a lefty, too. Mm. So... Maybe he has a chance in somewhere in La Liga or Bundesliga. Yeah, and I know Kim Chungmin, who was the center midfielder, yep. is at is at an Austrian team. Yep. Um, and he was, I think he got loaned out by Salzburg or yeah. one Some, of yeah, I think one of those teams. And we didn't even have probably the second best 
U twenty prospect on the team because mm-hmm. he wasn't released um, from his Byron. duties at Pyron. Um, so he has, I think it, and he ended up getting transferred to, to Freiburg to Freiburg to get some more playing time. So that's an encouraging sign yep. um, for the the growth and uh, youth development of this Korean national team. And this is a trend like maybe a trend that U.S. needs to follow. And um, they're kind of already doing that, but all these players are going over to Europe early. Yeah, right? and, and you kind of see it with this generation of Pulisic. Yeah. Um, McKinney. McKinney. You see it with, um, who else is there? Tyler Adams made, carved out a nice role mm-hmm. with Red Bull. Mm-hmm. Um, you also see it with, like, some of their other, like, secondary guys that are starting to get more and more playing time, like, in Europe that are starting to feel more encouraged uh, to kind of take up the challenge that some of those young, some of those guys have trailblazed for them. And that's, like, what I would say the U.S. men's national team was doing 20 years ago. Yep. Um, and trying to do, and then you kind of saw this mass exodus in some ways of coming back home. Like once some of these guys were getting older, like Tim Howard came home. Yep. When Dempsey ends up coming home, mm-hmm. Landon Donovan never went there really. Yep. Um, and you kind of saw like a lot of these players come back to the MLS and the form went down like Josie Altidore kind of was like a vagabond and was trying to find a team yeah never found a team but you know they can bring a lot of that European experience and um learnings to their new club in MLS and like Koreans are doing the same thing really right in the Uh, K League yeah and that's only the that's the only way that the league is going to grow right um and I, I think it's kind of interesting how at this time like the US have had the US men's national team has Pulisic and Korea has Sonongmin. Yeah. And that these two guys are the star players that both of these I mean, like they've had good players before, but these two players are probably the best talented like most talented players yep. in the player pool almost probably ever yep. for both squads. Yep. Um, in terms of like where they're playing the w- and w- and how much they're producing at the squads that they are at right now, like Son is probably like a top twenty-five player in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm I don't not disagree ex- with that. And I'm not exaggerating by yeah. saying that. Yeah. And I'm and I'm not biased because I am Korean, but maybe I am a l- tiny bit. <laughs> but it's like he's a legitimate top twenty-five player. Um, yeah, I agree. In the world. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of exciting to see something like that happen and the possibilities of other guys, especially Ikangin. Please don't get hurt or <laughs> anything like that. I'm praying for you, bro. Um, so, yeah, other than that, like, I have nothing else to say other than well wishes and good <laughs> luck to him. Um, but is there anything else that you wanted to add before I close out the podcast? No, I think we yeah. talked about a lot. Yeah, we talked a lot, a lot. My tongue is getting, my mouth yeah, is getting my tired mouth is from dry. <laughs> yeah, from from talking. But we had a h- wide range of talk topics, mm-hmm. and if you made it this far to the podcast, uh, to the end of the podcast, I just want to thank you guys for listening in. Thanks to Hedjun for having, you know, 
the courage to come back on <laughs> because it because you haven't been on in a while. So yep. thanks again for Hedjun coming back on to the podcast. And everyone, if you guys have not subscribed yet or liked the podcast, please go subscribe, rate it, do all the things that you want to do. And uh, yeah, give us a listen on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. So thanks again, Hedjun, and thanks again to you guys for listening in.